The second reading is from the 12th chapter of the Gospel of Luke. Jesus said, I came to bring fire to the earth, and how I wish it were already kindled. I have a baptism with which to be baptized, and what stress I am under until it is complete. Do you think that I have come to bring peace to the earth? No, I tell you, but rather division. From now on, five in one household will be divided. Three against two, and two against three, they will be divided. Father against son, and son against father. Mother against daughter, and daughter against mother. Mother Mother-in-law against daughter-in-law, and daughter-in-law against mother-in-law. He also said to the crowds, when you see a cloud rising in the west, you immediately say, it's going to rain, and so it happens. And when you see the south wind blowing, you say, there will be scorching heat, and it happens. You hypocrites, you know how to interpret the appearance of the earth and the sky, but why do you not know how to interpret the present time? The word of our Lord. Before I start, I have to take a picture. So, so we have to take a picture. So I might need, let me see if I can get everybody. Uh, if I can get everybody. I'm going to get as many as I can. So there we go. Okay. I do that because I'm here for the ministry that I serve, right? I'm Pastor Jerry Wortley. I am the campus pastor for the Evangelical Lutheran Church in America. Ugh, that's a mouthful. Um, for Texas A&M and Blinn College in Bryan and Bryan and Brenham, Texas. We're Treehouse Ministries. And as part of the ministry to here at Blinn and Brenham, we are part of what is called The Village, which is Treehouse Ministries, the, the ELCA campus ministry, the Episcopal Student Ministry to Texas A&M, and the United Campus Ministries, which is the Presbyterian and UCC Campus Ministries to Texas A&M. Those three um, entities at A&M came together to do what is called the Village here in Brenham because we decided it was ridiculous for us to compete against each other and we should just do stuff together. So I'm here this morning because I've heard rumors Right? I started March 1st of 2020, so COVID time, when everything shut down. And I heard rumors that this congregation used to be the spot where the students would meet and gather and have meals. And that at one point, the congregation provided meals. And at another point, there was provided stuff that got cooked. And we used the kitchen. And so there's a sordid history of things that used to happen that don't happen anymore because of COVID. And I'm here to kind of hopefully start getting those things moving again because we need to partner together and do these things. And I don't really like standing behind this, but I'm going to because I know this is going out on, and they need me to talk into this thing. But I have to tell you that I really don't like standing behind this thing. So I'm going to look like a nervous wreck until this is over. So I hope that doesn't distract anybody. But So I've been at Treehouse now for like two and a half years, and I'm just trying to get things moving and going again. And we've got some things happening, and I'm hoping that this relationship is going to get rekindled. But on to our readings. This morning, there's two readings. And, oh, I forgot to tell you one thing. Um, And I heard at the earlier service that this might be an issue for this congregation. But Maya, they, they seem to do well this morning at the earlier service, they, they, they talked more than I thought they were going to from, the, from the, the talk I got before worship happened. My sermons are interactive. If you haven't figured that out yet, I'm a little bit more um, flamboyant than most people are. Um, 
My sermons are interactive, meaning I'm going to ask questions. And when I ask a question, you're supposed to answer it. Ooh, yeah, I know. Scary. I can't talk in front of people either. It's okay. You'll be all right. To just these, Nobody around you will bite. You can answer the questions. They're easy questions. They're easy questions. And there's really no wrong answer. So it's, it's all good, all right? So if I ask a question, the quicker you answer it, the quicker we all get to lunch. So... But this morning's readings, did you uh, feel the love in this morning's readings? No, thank you. <laughs> no. I did not come to bring peace, but I've come to bring division. Jesus literally says that he didn't come to bring peace, that he came to set family member against family member. Now, is that really what Jesus came to do? I hope not. That's a, you know, I, no. I don't think it is. But we really need to understand why Jesus would say this then. Right? Jesus says here in the 12th chapter of Luke that I've come not to bring peace, but to bring division. And that mother is going to be against daughter, and daughter against mother, and father against son, and son against father, and mother-in-law against daughter-in-law, and daughter-in-law against mother-in-law. And everybody's going to be in the family of five is going to be three against two, and two against three, and all of this stuff is going to happen. Why did he say this then? We kind of have to take some steps back. We kind of have to look at where things come from. Prelude. What? Prelude. We have to understand why Jesus would say this. And in the Hebrews, we get this great understanding, right? If you ever, how many of you have ever wondered if you're actually doing what you need to do in faith. You're in church. Remind you, you're in church, so don't lie. <laughs> right? All of us actually should probably raise our hands on that. If we, if we talk about, have I been the person that I need to be in faith? And I think I've stumbled and I think I've fallen. And hopefully all of us understand that, yes, we all have. And yes, we all will. No matter how much we try, no matter where we think we are or how good we think we are, we're going to fall and, and fumble and stumble in our faith. And that's just the way that it works. But if you ever get to that point and you worry about it, I want you to go to your Bibles and I want you to open them up and I want you to read Hebrews chapter 11. Hebrews chapter 11 is the hall of fame of people of faith. And it goes through and it lists out through the, through the, the whole chapter of people that we hold up as icons or people that we look to as the, the markers of having good faith. It's got Abram or Abraham and Moses. And, and, and then it lists down these people here, right? This morning you got this list and it says in verse 31, it says, By faith Rahab the prostitute. Who knows who Rahab the prostitute is? Oh, I got a few hands. He's earlier in the chapter. You have to read that. You have to go home and read that yourself. I think Job's in there. Go and read it and prove me wrong. Um, Rahab the prostitute is one of three women listed in Jesus' genealogy. Rahab the prostitute is, is a woman in the promised land who was a prostitute, of course, because they, they say that Rahab the prostitute, who was the one who helped the spies who went into the promised land to look and see what it was going to be like for them, for the Israelites to come in and take the promised land. But it says, by faith, she did not perish 
with those who were disobedient because she had received the, sp the spies that came in in peace. And it goes through and it talks about all of these other people, David and Samuel, the prophets and all these people, and how they were then put to the test, we could say. Quenched with raging fire, escaped the edge of swords, won out of strength. They were, they were um, tortured. They were mocked. They were flogged. Even with chains and put in prison. They were stoned to death. They were sawn in two. They were cut in half. Um, people say, scholars have said, that this is actually the way that the prophet Isaiah died. It's this, this and in the book of Amos is the only time that this word is actually used in any of the, the New Testament or Old Testament writings. And it's specifically, they're saying, is talking about the way that the prophet Isaiah died. The prophets were tortured and put to the test by the people of faith because of the things that they were saying that was different from what the people wanted them to say. Jesus said, I did not come to bring peace, but division. I did not come to bring understanding, but to put families against families. If you continue to read on in Hebrews, you get down to chapter 12, right? And I'm going to say this differently than it is in our reading this morning, but I remember chapter 12, verse 2, very prominently, I used to have a t-shirt that, that had this on it on the back. Um, and that's where the sermon title comes from this morning, right? Cross-eyed. Fix your eyes upon Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. For he did not look away from the cross, but took upon the shamefulness of what, what it was to do what needed to be done. Right? That's my paraphrase. That's not exactly what it says, but that's my paraphrase of that verse. Look on Jesus. Fix your eyes upon Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. Before we get to that, i got a story for you. I have to read it off my phone. The story is entitled, I didn't actually say this at the earlier service, so you get to hear the title this now. The story is actually titled, Whose Job Is It Anyway? This is a story about four people named Everybody, Somebody, Anybody, and Nobody. And there was an important job to be done, and everybody was sure that somebody would do it. Anybody could have done it, but nobody did it. Somebody got angry about that because it was everybody's job. Everybody thought anybody could do it, but nobody realized that everybody wouldn't do it. It ended up that everybody blamed somebody when nobody did what anybody could have done. It's a little bit confusing when you get every, anybody, any, nobody, anybody, somebody, right? It's confusing. But the message is actually very clear that no one took responsibility and nothing got done. Nobody took responsibility. Nothing got done. And anybody could have done it. We all could have done it. But none of us. That's why we have to fix our eyes upon Jesus. Because there's something that needs to be done. The world needs to hear about the love that we know that we have. 
the world needs to be told about the love that we know that each individual gets. People need to have a space that they can gather to be able to talk about and understand what it is that faith is and how faith impacts their lives. That's why you gather here each Sunday morning, right? You come here to hear the word of God, to be fed and nourished in in God's love, to go into the world to share that love with everyone else. You you all know what, what what does LOL mean? Laugh out loud, right? And I want to change that. It's not going to happen. It's not going to work. Unless you all help me. Unless you all help me, right? We're going to help. We're going to change this. It's no longer laugh out loud. It's love out loud. Right? Because we need to do what God has called us to do in the world. And, and we focus on this verse from Hebrews 12, chapter 2. Fix your eyes upon Jesus the author and perfecter of our faith, right? Jesus is the author. What does the author do? He creates. They create. They create the story so they know what's going to happen. Jesus is part of the triune God. Jesus, as we understand, was God in the beginning. And in the beginning, God spoke and God's words moved over the waters and everything was made. So who was there at the beginning? Jesus. And he's the author of our faith. He's the one that made everything and made the understanding of how we live and how we believe that God loves us and called us to do these things. And he's also the perfecter, right? He did it perfect, like none of us ever will. He loved people the way that they were. Remember the story? Um, don't ask me where it is. It's somewhere in the Gospels. Where the woman is brought to Jesus who was caught in the act of adultery. Now, there's many questions for me on this story. It's like, the woman's brought. Where's the man? Uh-huh. Preach. Preach. There's a whole slew of reasons why that didn't happen. We can talk about that, and it's just wrong. But there's a whole slew of reasons why that happened. But she's brought to Jesus, and Jesus is drawing in the sand. And the guys that bring her there are all like, we caught this woman in the act of adultery. What are we supposed to do? Because the law tells us we're supposed to stone her to death. Not just stone her, not just throw rocks at her. We're supposed to throw rocks at her until she dies. That's what the law says. And Jesus stands up and says, does anybody know what he says? What does he say? He who is out without sin casts the first stone. So basically what Jesus said is, if you're without sin, you can throw the first one, and then anybody else can follow in suit, right? There was no stipulation beyond that, the, the way that we get the story. The story goes that the, the, the Pharisees brought this woman to Jesus, and Jesus said, let he who is without sin cast the first stone. Was there anybody there without sin? Yes, there was. Yes, there was. Think about it for a minute. Jesus was without sin and could have cast the first stone, but he didn't because that's not what love would do. Love sees the wrong, forgives the wrong, and moves on. 
that's what we're called to do, to LOL, to love out loud. When we fix our eyes upon Jesus, we look at Jesus. When we fix our eyes upon Jesus, we see Jesus for where he belongs, right? Jesus, we, we have this, think we have this relationship with Jesus that is someone that we walk with, right? Jesus is my buddy. Jesus is my pal, right? That, that's true. It is true. But in the real understanding of the relationship that we're supposed to have with Jesus, where is Jesus supposed to be? He's next, sitting next to God. But what are we doing? We should be worshiping him. And in worshiping him, we do what? We, we what? We follow him. And when we're following him, what do we see? An example? I'm looking for something a little bit more specific. Love is not quite as abstract, though. If I turn around this way, what do you see? You see the back of my head. If we're following Jesus, Jesus isn't my buddy walking along the side with me. Jesus is in front of me, leading me, and I see the back of his head. So if we're oriented right in our understanding and in our faith, I'm not walking with Jesus, bless you. I'm not walking with Jesus by my side. I'm looking at the back of his head, and I'm following him. And I'm a disciple. And what is a disciple? Does anybody know what the, actually the word disciple means? Apostles are those who are sent. And all of us are apostles. We're all sent out into the world to share love with everybody. But we're also all called to be disciples. And what, what does the word disciple literally mean? Who said that? Say it louder. Student. Student. A disciple. The word disciple literally means Learner. Someone who learns from and follows the example of and is what, what that person teaches, right? The disciples were literally 12 people who sat at Jesus' feet and listened to what he had to teach them. And he taught them not only by telling them, but he taught them by showing them. When that woman was brought to him and caught in the act of adultery, he showed them what it means to love. By telling her, after everybody dropped their stones and walked away, woman, where are the men who just were bringing you here to condemn you? I don't know, they've all left. And Jesus says, neither do I condemn you. Go and sin no more. Go and don't do that. That's what God calls us to do. God calls us to follow after him and to do what God has done in the world. To love as he did. To live our lives in such a way that everything that comes out of us is love. And that's what I'm hoping that this congregation will get back to. Because it stopped. And as I said in the earlier service, I don't say it stopped because you wanted it to stop. It stopped because of that, that evil thing that we don't talk about anymore. Um, that's still going to be a part of our lives forever. So we've got to figure out how to live with it. right? But things happened back in 2020. And things got all confuddled and mixed up. And this congregation used to be the spot where students from this college over here could come and gather and have food and fellowship and talk about faith. And hopefully that's the way that's going to happen again. I asked, asked a question at the last service about um, how um, this was the place that that happened and the congregation provided food and the, the chair of your uh, outreach committee, it's not called outreach, what is it? She told me what it was and I don't remember. Fellowship? No, it wasn't fellowship. I don't remember. Mission. Thank you. Mission and benevolence. And she told me, she's, I, she, I said, is this the place that that used to happen? And she's sitting in the pew shaking her head. 
I said, well, if nobody else knows that, that that's good because the chair of the committee that's supposed to do it is the one that's saying yes, that that's what happened here. So that's something that happened here, and that's something that this place was, was, was doing that was great because you're opening your doors and allowing people who are questioning their faith, people who are, who are away from their families, people who have, are out of the nest and out of their parents' control for the first time and can do whatever they want. And they're questioning and they're wondering, and they find a place that feeds them, lets them question things, and understand who they are in faith and love. And that's a beautiful thing, and that's what we're supposed to do. There's a quote that's often attributed to St. Francis of Assisi. St. Francis of Assisi never said this, um, but it is something that St. Francis... St. Francis of Assisi... That's hard to say a lot. St. Francis of Assisi would say and did do in his life, but he never said it. Does anybody know what that quote is? Preach the gospel. You're not allowed. You heard it last time, so that's not... (laughs) She's heard me say it more than once, so this is is something that I've said over and over again. Um, they, They say that pastors really only have three sermons, so if you hear a pastor preach more than three times, you've heard every sermon that they've ever preached. So... (laughs) I've got two more times with you. Um, but St. Francis of Assisi is, is said to have said, preach the gospel at all times, and when necessary, use words. Francis, St. Francis never said that. Um, but it is the way that St. Francis lived his life. That we are to be the model of what love is. That we are to be the, the people that shows the world how God loves them, not just tells them that and then turns around and don't love them. Right? We have to be the people that open our spaces and be the people that God has called us to be. Another, I have a, a poem for you. It's called Live Your Creed by Langston Hughes. I'd rather see a sermon than hear one any day. I'd rather one walk with me than just show me the way. The eye is a better pupil and more willing than the ear. Advice may be misleading, but examples are always clear. And the very best of teachers are the ones who live their creed. For to see good put into action is what everybody needs. I can soon learn to do it if you let me see it done. I can watch your hand in motion, but your tongue too fast may run. And the lectures you deliver may be very fine and true, but I'd rather get my lesson by observing what you do. For I may misunderstand you in the fine advice you give, but there's no misunderstanding how you act and how you live. The whole point of this morning's lessons is that if you actually fix your eyes upon Jesus and you follow where Jesus is leading you, that could cause conflict. But be assured that God is always with you and that God is leading you to be where you need to be. Because he's called us to love out loud. And sometimes when we do that, some people get upset. But that shouldn't stop us from doing and being what God has called us to be. Because we always have to be the beacons of hope in the world. And I hope that this is the beginning of a longer and sustained relationship between the village, which is UCC Campus Ministry, the Episcopal Student Ministry, and Treehouse Ministries, 
and Brenham Presbyterian Church. Because we have a huge field of people that are going to be questioning and wondering about their faith. So how can we work together to help them and give them space to know that they are loved and accepted as they are because that's what God calls each and every one of us to do and has done for each and every one of us. So remember that you are a beloved child of God and that God claims you and names you as you are and loves you just the way that you are and sends you out into the world to share that love with everyone else. So go this time, go this week, go this month, go the rest of this year loving people, loving God.